0: Good morning. Before I proceed with the gospel reading this morning, would you indulge me just for a moment? Would you please take your hand and bang on your pew two times? Could you do that one more time, please? Just Thank you. I hear that sound in this morning's text. Listen once again to the Word of God as it comes to us from the 28th chapter of Matthew's Gospel. After the Sabbath, as the first day of the week was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb, and suddenly there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descending from heaven came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothing white as snow. So they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and ran to the disciples. Suddenly, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came to him, took hold of his feet and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Sometimes all we can say is, do what? I recently read some interesting quotes from sports figures. One former member of the Orlando Magic said, my career was sputtering But I did a 360 and got on the right track. (laughs) Delayed reaction. Uh, uh, And my response to this basketball player is, uh, um, do what? Another basketball player once said, I can shoot with my left hand, I can shoot with my right hand, I am amphibious. (laughs) One college athlete was asked, why were you so nervous today at practice? He said, oh, my sister is having a baby this afternoon and I don't know if I'm going to be an aunt or an uncle. (laughs) When our son Nathan, who is now 25, mastered the art of saying, daddy and mommy, Deb and I, on occasion, had some fun with him. Sitting around the dinner table one night, I said, Nathan, who's the greatest? Daddy! Not to be outdone, Deb said, well, who's the best? Mommy! I said, well, who's the king? Daddy! Deb asked, well, who's the queen? Daddy! (laughs) Deb thought that was terribly funny. And I just said, "Uh, uh, um, (laughs) do what? (laughs) Do what? I've got a similar reaction in this morning's scripture passage. Then Jesus met them and said, greetings. And I read that. And I go, do what? Does that make sense to you? So often it doesn't make sense to me. Easter means that Jesus lives. Easter means that God has raised a dead man back to life. He was completely, fully, wholly dead. But now through the grace of God, Jesus lives. Am I the the only one who hears this and at least on occasion goes, do what? Despite our modern arrogance, The people of Jesus' day were not a superstitious lot. They were intimately familiar with the power of death. They lived with it day by day. The idea that a man could come back from the dead was as scandalous and unbelievable to them as it is to us. No wonder the women fled from the tomb in fear and in joy. Fear. I I can't even begin to wrap my mind around the resurrection. It just doesn't compute. And if you ever find yourself in a similar position, that's okay. Sister Lois Friedman was my English professor my freshman year of college. Her middle name should have been Strict. On the second day of class, my friend Harold showed up late and Sister Friedman talked with him at the end of the class and I could not hear what she was saying, but I could read his face. And that scared me. And Harold was never late for class again. Sister Lois was a woman of deep faith and conviction. Her warm spirit and her keen mind combined for a powerful witness to Christ. It was during my last year of college that I began to think about seminary and graduate work. I was asking all kinds of questions about God, meaning, purpose, life. And so I said to her, Sister Lewis, could we get together and, I would just like to talk with you about faith. And her face lit up in a smile, and she said, sure, let's do that. The next morning, we met at Shoney's for breakfast. I had sausage and scrambled egg. She had French toast and orange juice. She sat there. I did most of the talking. She did most of the listening. I described my academic aspirations and how one day I wanted to teach religion in a small college. I shared with her the hunger in my heart, the hunger to know and understand what life is all about. How do we find meaning and purpose? And I shared with her my doubts, my questions about Jesus and the church and is God real or not? At one point I said, Sister Lois, may I ask you a question? Sure. I said, Sister Lois, at the end of your life, If you were to discover that all that we have believed about Jesus is a fabrication, it just wasn't true. Would you have any regrets? Would you have wanted to live your life any differently? She took a sip of her coffee, smiled, and said, no. Not at all. I would not have any regrets. I find her words to be deeply reassuring. It was the great theologian Paul Tillich who once taught us that the opposite of faith is not doubt, the opposite of faith is certainty. In our quest for certainty, we sometimes want to push away our doubts and easily or casually dismiss them but our faith does not allow us to do this. Christian faith takes our doubts, takes our questions, and pushes them deeper and makes them even more intense. Sometimes Christian faith makes our doubts and questions so intense we. We want to reduce the gospel to a set of moral propositions. Well, what is being Christian about? Well, it means obeying these commandments. It means living a certain way. It means asking, what would Jesus do? It means following his example. But whenever we go down that road of reducing Christian faith to a set of behavioral codes, Easter comes along and says, no, 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 no. You can't do no easter stubbornly and insistently pushes us to ask what does easter say about the god we worship and easter will not let us give up on that question what does this day say about the god we claim to worship and maybe maybe that maybe that is what i find more unnerving about easter than anything else Because Easter makes a profound statement, not about us, but about God. Easter is about God, not about us. And we are no longer the center of attention. Easter makes a bold kind of proclamation regarding the heart of God. And the heart of God beats like this. I enjoy watching reruns reruns of... Picket Fences. Are any of you familiar with that old David Kelly sitcom drama based in Rome, Wisconsin? It's a strange show with very strange characters and in one episode, the town mourns the death of its mayor lost to the debilitating effects of Alzheimer's disease. At the funeral, Judge Bone, a crotchety old geezer, stands up to say a few words about his good friend About the mayor, Judge Bone says, if people end up with the leaders that they deserve, then at least for a very little while, we were all very, very deserving. (laughs) And then the judge adds, Howard made one request of me. He asked me to give his casket a good hard whack to let him know that I missed him. Said I'd be able to hear it. Judge Bone looks at the casket, lifts up his fist, and he goes (laughs) He sits down. And then the priest walks over to the Catholic, to the casket, (laughs) and And then a town official walks over to Howard's casket (laughs) And then the police and the other residents of Rome, Wisconsin, we miss you. We love you. We will never ever forget you. There's much I don't understand about Easter. My mind cannot wrap itself around the physics and the metaphysics of the resurrection. And that's okay. But when I remember that Easter says more about God than it says about us, then I can begin to catch some of the good news of what this day is all about. Easter means that God will not let death and destruction and disease and evil have the final word. Easter means that God loves us with a burning passion and God comes to us. Easter means that when we are sealed at our tombs, the tombs of death, the tombs of misunderstanding, the tombs of poverty, the tombs of violence, God comes to us and again and again And so my friends, as we gather here today, emerging from two years of pandemic, mourning the loss of nearly a million of our fellow citizens, God says to us, when we are overwhelmed by the cruelty and barbaric violence of Ukraine, God says, When those of us in here who knew Edward Kleiner feel shock in the wake of his death, swallowed up by sadness, our Easter God comes to us and when we are despairing because of the plight of our homeless and hungry brothers and sisters in our city, Easter, the Easter God, And whenever we feel alone, forsaken, forlorn, misunderstood, abandoned, our Easter God comes to us. My friends, that's the good news of Easter.